The world's wind industry is gathering in Melbourne this August. Join them at the APAC Summit to discuss collaboration, market building and solving supply chain challenges in the expanding APAC market. Buy tickets at apacsummit2023.com.au. Hello listeners, welcome to this sneak peek about the APAC Offshore Wind and Green Hydrogen Summit that uh, the Global Wind Energy Council is hosting in Melbourne, Australia on the 29th to the 31st of August this year. As uh, part of our series of, uh, of giving people a bit of insight into the conference, we are joined at the desk by some high-level speakers and today we have Aaron Smith the Chief Commercial Officer and Head of New Business and Innovation at Principal Power. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, Stuart. Great to be with you and looking forward to the conference. Thanks very much, mate. So just to kick kick it off, uh, can you give me a little bit of background about uh, Principal Power, the company? Sure. So Principal Power is a company that was founded in 2007 to unlock the potential of the ocean's renewable energy resources. And we do that primarily through deep water floating offshore wind technology. We first deployed the wind float in 2011 in Portugal and operated a unit for five years there. And now we have a fleet of eight units producing power between Portugal and Scotland with turbines between eight and 10 megawatts and um, we've generated about 500 gigawatt hours to date. So really proving out the technology base for a floating wind expansion globally. We offer uh, engineering design services in addition to our technology packages, and we operate the units that we've installed. So um, gearing up for a global expansion here. Fantastic. And you personally, what's your role within the company? I mean, I know that you've been there for several years and you kind of are the face of principal power for, I guess, many industry people. Uh, can you maybe shed a bit of light on your own background? Sure. So I started my career in offshore wind way back in 2010 when I was working for the National Renewable Energy Lab in the U.S., helping to set the foundation for some of the National Offshore Wind Strategy with the Department of Energy and Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. I moved to Principal Power in 2016 in order to uh, start a strategy group. And from there, I've now taken on responsibility for uh, the commercial part of the business, which is basically everything from uh, the early stages of engagement with markets and with customers, and also in, in terms of helping to guide the development of the technology to the market requirements, all the way up until we sign contracts with our customers. So effectively, it's the uh, responsibility for the front end of the business. And thank you for that. And at the conference this, this year, you'll be talking uh, on the floating market in APAC and the potential challenges and f the future uh, forecast for floating offshore wind. How, does, how do you guys see the APAC market and what are some of the hotspots uh, that you are currently looking at? Sure. So, so far, the market has mostly been materializing in Europe. Um, we see still that Europe remains, I guess, one of the areas where we can see our pipeline moving with more certainty. But APAC is the most exciting region because of the just tremendous potential for offshore wind. You have um, just a topography and um, really kind of a coastal distribution of population 
that make it more difficult in many places to build onshore renewables. And so in that sense, if you want to go gigawatt scale, then going um, to the oceans is, is the easiest choice. And also going to um, deeper waters can help you get away from some of those constraints that are associated with stakeholder management, busy shipping channels, and also visual constraints where you can really go out over the horizon for these very large projects. So for us, the fundamentals in in the Asian markets are, are very, very strong. And I think we see a tremendous amount of promise there. So we have an office in Japan, which is our, our headquarters in Asia right now. And we're serving basically every market there, but with varying degrees of, of maturity. So lots of lots of early stage studies to scope out projects and help customers and governments really understand what the requirements are to go about building these very large scale projects effectively from scratch in the markets. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to touch on. One is driving scale into the market. We see that uh, there is still a need for some, I guess, support for offshore wind that people are, uh, support for floating offshore wind where uh, nations are prepared to pay a bit of a premium to get the scale to drive the volume. How do you guys see, or what do you guys see as the key to unlocking scale in the floating space? I think, it's the same as as in any other industry, fixed bottom space including, which is really creating a predictable market and regulatory environment. One that basically allows um, first sites to get in the hands of developers without the developers having to put up too much of a premium up front. You know, so a real focus on how technically competent and able to deliver the pipelines are, how much they're willing to invest in local supply chains and run their development processes in a manner that's really responsible with respect to the local um, criteria. And we emphasize that, you know, the starting point for this should be on proving that the industry can get built and can get built with a supply chain that is, is really able to deliver sustainable and long-term objectives. So the time to kind of turn the crank on reducing costs is not on your very first projects. I think it, it, it's reasonable to think about offshore wind as, you know, a 20, 30, even 30-year 30 journey, right, towards our, our net zero targets. So being able to set a long-term roadmap, being willing to um, pay for a bit of that experience to get down the learning curve sustainably and have um, entities emerge that can serve as contractors, developers with successful projects and, and proving out that those projects can be delivered um, on time, on budget, on schedule to society is, is a really important foundation. And then the optimization and costs will come from there. So just on that Getting back to the supply chain, and I'm glad you mentioned it, uh, there seems to be a desire from every single market that gets into the space now to talk about uh, how can we establish a, a supply chain in country. Uh, so there's there's that. I'd like to get your uh, impression on or opinion about what's realistic from a, uh, an individual or single market perspective versus regional collaboration. And also I'd like, getting back to the scale question, uh, I know that there's a a temptation from some markets to maybe start off with demo projects or uh, are we, are we, aren't we past that now, the, the demo phase of projects? So uh, don't we need sort of scale from the first instance or what's your take on the on the ramp up of this? 
Well, I, I think I'm going to be politically correct here and say that <laughs> every market is different. <laughs> and that's especially true in, in APAC. You know, you, you have such a diversity in um, cultures and in industrial base and capacity and even kind of political and regulatory framework and culture that you have to build from. So at Principal Power, we, we don't have a one size fits all uh, mentality. We really like going in and engaging with policymakers, trying to understand what's important for them and um, helping them to maybe avoid some of the challenges that we've seen rise up in other markets and, and really prevent progress. So um, that's a long way of getting into your into your question. But um, on the topic of the supply chain, what you want to do is first make sure you have the ingredients to build projects locally for floating offshore wind that means creating really ports that are capable of staging the turbine assembly and integration and really the platform final assembly building out those ports whether it's a brownfield or a greenfield project in some cases are, are really large infrastructure projects on their own right and are going to create tons of jobs during construction but if governments focus there and build these, these capable facilities, then you can attract supply chain companies in behind those, those ports and facilities. But if you never build the ports, the supply chain is not going to come because that becomes a critical risk to their delivery timelines and project schedules, and they basically will, will generate somewhere else. So my first piece of advice is always first focus on the ports, the second thing again is is to focus on a predictable timeline for projects because the very worst thing that can happen is that you go and invest 100 200 million in a facility and then the projects that you're supposed to serve are delayed by one years two years three years and that has huge impacts to the credibility of the industry as well not just from delivering national electricity and, and delivering that on schedule but also for workforce where you know people are, are actually going to have to go get trained to serve this industry and if the jobs aren't there when they get out of their training programs then the industry doesn't look very good so that predictability is really important and then i think the the third thing we like to highlight is that you can't build a long-term sustainable supply chain just through protectionism you have to create a situation an imperative that suppliers need to be internationally competitive because a government can only ask for protectionism for as long as it's willing to pay the subsidies as the subsidies start to go down then the um, ability to do protectionism will go down and then those local suppliers that a government works so hard to prop up might just dissolve and be replaced by the larger more competitive contractors so i think getting healthy supply chains is about knowing where the market is, knowing where your advantages are, and trying to make targeted and strategic investments over a, a decade-long horizon. Thanks for that. I think that's very sage advice for the entire supply chain and governments around the world, not just within the APAC region, but it seems that so many governments are struggling with this exact problem of, you know, do they go down the protectionist past or path or do we encourage the economic development by, you know, offering incentives and, and see where that takes us. This event is an APAC event, so we have focus on the APAC area, but it's also being held in Australia and uh, at the end of the conference, the... Hunter Valley 
uh, declaration will be closing the day after our conference uh, finishes or on the 31st of uh, August. I think that's when they have to have the feasibility licence in for the Hunter region. I believe that the Hunter region is going to be a lot of floating offshore wind. How does Principal Power see the Australian market? Is there anything specific uh, down there that you guys are interested in or is there uh, have you guys been paying attention down there? We are, but this will be, I think, our very first trip in country. So, and for me, that's quite exciting because I'm actually a quarter Australian. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> my my grandfather was was Australian, so it'll be a little bit of a return home. Um, and I guess we're looking at the Australian market with quite interest. You know, it's it's at an early phase, but the government is looking at offshore wind as one of the key sources of being able to decarbonize some of these very intensive regions that are reliant on quite dirty coal production. And so as you look at a, a future market scenario where you're building out a ton of solar, a ton of storage, a ton of onshore wind and renewables, offshore wind offers a really good complement to that. And many of the, the locations are in deep enough water that going floating will be the right choice. So we're really excited to go to the market and, and basically be able to uh, have, have the opportunity to speak with policymakers and, and customers there and, and transfer some of the knowledge and experience that we've been gaining in our um, long history in, in Europe and, and other parts of the world. And I think we are also um, just really pleased to see that the government is is keeping its commitments in terms of the auction timing and so it seems to be you know um one of the examples where where things are moving uh, quite quite smoothly and is there any one or if you had to pick one conversation that you would like to have in melbourne what would that be Ooh, that is <laughs> one i didn't prepare for <laughs> Well, I mean, you are on a panel with other uh, other uh, providers of floating technology, and there is going to be a a, a range of floating options, a range of floating discussions uh, on board uh, taking place in Melbourne. I was just wondering if there was anything that you thought, yeah, if if we get there and, there and we don't achieve anything else, I'd really want to know. Yeah, I mean, for me, I want to focus on on the. Uh, infrastructure um, really on on making sure that the port operators understand what it's going to take to deliver these structures um, especially when we're building in Australia and we are going to see turbine sizes you know somewhere between 15 and megawatts plus I'm not going to put an upper bound on that <laughs> just yet because um, I don't want to get into that debate but I, I think that um, that that's what's really really critical that we make sure that people are um, not only learning from what has been important in in successful markets in Europe, but also looking ahead to where the technology is going to be by the time the market is actually entering construction in Australia. Thanks very much, Aaron. And there you have it, folks. So we'll be talking about floating offshore wind and uh, again, how that's going to impact on infrastructure requirements, what we need. And hopefully you can join the conversation in Australia. I'd like to thank Aaron Smith, Chief Commercial Officer and Head of New Business and Innovation at Principal Power for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much for joining and we look forward to meeting you in Melbourne or, or, or maybe I'm saying welcome home, Aaron. Thanks so much, Stuart, and uh, look forward to seeing you there. Can't wait for you to show me around the city. <laughs>